title for today's sermon is Christ is our hope. Hope of salvation, hope of a future vested. Now, uh, I just, I got to make this clear because it's bugging me. And I, I, if I say it, then it won't bug me anymore. So angels really don't have wings, okay? I just want you to know that that's a medieval dis- uh, description. So, um, but anyways, so she's there with wings. And, and they're usually not female. That's another medieval so, if anything, they're gender neutral. So, um, there you go. Got that off my chest. Sorry. So, Jesus is our hope. And uh, Christ is his title. It means Messiah, okay? So, it would be Jesus the Christ. So, the Messiah is our hope, who is in the person of Jesus. And then the word Emmanuel is going to be thrown around a lot. And Emmanuel is a Hebrew word which means God with us. Okay? So Christ, the Messiah, came in the flesh, was born a baby, and named Jesus in the Greek or Yahshua in the Hebrew. Okay? So we're going to be looking at the hope in Scripture. And hope in Scripture is not a wishful hope but one of certainty, certainty. Now, wishful hope is kind of like this. I wish, I would, I, oh, I hope I get a beagle puppy for Christmas, right? So that is wishful hope. It definitely is not certain, especially if you go talk to my wife, right? It's definitely not certain. But I hope I get a beagle puppy. And I'm sure some of you guys want some things for Christmas, and you might say, I hope I get this, or I hope I get that. Or sometimes you might say, I hope you have a nice day, right? So we use hope in a way of wishful thinking, okay? But biblical hope, scriptural hope, is not one that is wishful, but one that is certain. And it's certain because it is based in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ, right? He's the Messiah. So we are all looking for this certainty, aren't we? Don't we want things to kind of be like nailed down in our lives? And don't we kind of get tired and are tempted to, to look for certainty in a lot of different places, right? And we get upset, we get enraged, we get mad sometimes when life just c- continues to go sideways, doesn't it? So as Isaiah and his fellow disciples of God, they were tempted to look in all the wrong places as well. And so let's turn to Isaiah 8, 11 is where we're going to start. And this is the Assyrians are attacking uh, Israel from the north. And a lot of attacks come from the north. Babylon attacked from the north and they're harassing Israel and Judah. And so here is what feels like a hopeless situation, right? A superior force coming in from the north, kings that aren't following God, governments that don't have any interest in God. Sound familiar? Right? And, and as a nation, as a country, it seems to be hopeless. Nothing is certain, right? So let's look at it now. For Yahweh spoke thus to me 
with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. It's easy to look around at all lives today and at our political situation, at the world today that has wars upon wars, right? And be in fear and dread of the circumstances. It's easy to look at our own lives and our own situations, right? And begin to fear the mortgage not being paid, right? The, the health risk that, that we're having. Uh, I have a praise, by the way. Uh, Tuesday, uh, last Tuesday, I went to the doctor, the back doctor, neurosurgeon. He says, you're good to go. So uh, praise the Lord for that. So now I just have to make sure my back strengthens and continue on. So next time you yell at me for lifting something, the surgeon said I was okay. So just FYI. Don't be in fear or dread of the circumstances around you. Instead, the, but the Lord of hosts, instead fear him. Him shall you honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. So where are you focused? Are you focused on the dread and fearing at the world around you and its circumstances? Or are you focused on God and honoring him as holy, fearing him in reverence and in awe? If you do that, he will become a sanctuary. Amen? A sanctuary. If you don't do that, he, he's a stone of offense, a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. Then Isaiah says, I wait for Yahweh who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will, what church? Hope in him. And it's not a wishful hope. Maybe God's going to take care of it. It's a certain hope that Yahweh, God, is faithful to his promises. And he's promised to each one of us that he causes all things to work together for the good of his saints and for his glory. That's his promise. To you and to me. And so maybe you don't understand the circumstances going on around you. And they're definitely out of your control. But I know and I want to tell you that today, if you put your hope in Jesus, you can have peace in the storm. In the tumult. Because you know that he is using it, even though you can't see it. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from Yahweh of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Are signs and portents. Signs uh, is a message. We are signs and portents in a wicked generation. We are a sign of Christ, a sign of his forthcoming and a portent for his second coming. 
We declare that in our lives and how we live. We declare that in the proclamation of revelation because it is definitely a prophecy of his second coming. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Wanting you to do it the world's way, right? To teach and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn or no hope. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward in defiance. Ever feel like you do that sometimes? Not happy with what's going on? And, you, and you're going through life, right? And you're looking everywhere for it, for hope or for certainty, but you're looking in all the wrong places. And so oftentimes when you're in that frame of mind, your mind, the enemy gets you to blame who? God. And you're like, why are you doing this to me? Right? Romans 9, 32 through 33 is talking about Israel and their uh, unbelief. And it says Israel stumbled. Why? Because they did not pursue salvation by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. That stone that Isaiah is talking about that we just read about. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Belief is the key. Believing in the promises of God gives birth to hope. Romans 8, 32 through 33. Hope springs from our relationship with God. And that relationship comes from belief, believing in God. We often do not see his hand at work, right? And that's part of the frustrating thing for us. But we are to hope in his character and fear him more than we fear the uncertainty of this world. Honor him as holy. Fear him. Give him the reverence and awe that he deserves. And like the song, when you fix your eyes on Jesus and you look at him and what he's done, then all the worries of the world seem to fade away. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth we're slowly, well, no, help me out, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and praise. Grace. Okay, so I totally hatched that song, but you guys know it. I don't, obviously. So where are you looking for hope? 
And this is a place challenge to ask yourself. Where am I looking for hope? Am I feeling hopeless today? And where have I been looking for hope? There's lots of places to look for hope, but only one place provides hope of certainty. If you're looking to the world, you will not find a lasting hope. It's just not there. In fact, if, if you continue to pursue hope in the world, you'll find yourself distressed. You'll find yourself hungry or spiritually hungry. And you will find yourself enraged because you're frustrated that you can't find hope. You can't find a hope for the future. But the hope that we have in Jesus is sure and steadfast. It's not elusive. It comes from believing in Jesus. And then as we go through this world, we fix our eyes on who? Jesus. Not on the world. We look to him and to his work. So how does one find hope in Jesus? First, we remember we remember, I don't always have the best of memory. Sometimes that really works in my favor, especially if something's been done wrong to me. I tend to forget. That's nice, right? But remember, sometimes we remember all the wrong things, right? But we're called to remember the right things. We're first called to remember the birth of Christ. This is what Christmas is. All about, we celebrate the first coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, born of a virgin, coming as a baby. Olivia is so adorable. But if Olivia did not have Nathan and Allie to take care of her, right, Olivia would not survive. Well, John, John and uh, Michelle would take care of it, I'm sure. But, but the point is, Olivia is helpless, isn't she? Right? Olivia can't get up and put her own bottle together. Olivia can't change her diaper. Right? But Olivia is helpless. She's humble, about as humble as you can get. Jesus came to us in that humility. Right? Born of Mary, of a virgin, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and laid in a manger. Emmanuel, God with us. It just was uh, Thanksgiving, and my nephew, Jeremiah, was born. He's so cute. 21 inches long, seven and a half pounds. He's a rail. But he's so precious, right? And so in need of help. And that's how God came to us. Isn't that amazing? Emmanuel. So we remember the birth of Christ. Christ. Remember the cross, right? He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. That's what the cross is all about. Paying the payment of sin in full. As we've learned in Revelation, taking on the full wrath of God. It is what, church? Finished. Done for those who believe. 
And then we remember the empty tomb, right? He is not there, for he is risen. And he is risen indeed. Amen? He is alive. And he is interceding at the right hand of the throne of God for you and for me. That's good news. That's the best news. And so when we remember these things, they're not distant things in our lives, or they should not be distant things in our lives. They should be touching our lives. That God did not abandon humanity. He did not abandon me to my sin, but he was born of a virgin. He came. He took on my sin upon the cross, all my sin upon the cross. He paid it in full. It is finished. But he didn't stay dead, did he? He rose again on the third day. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, what? Lives in us. If that doesn't give birth to hope in your circumstances, nothing will. But there is another thing. There's another source of that hope of certainty. Second, we look forward. We look forward to his return to bring peace through judgment in his second coming. And Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, proclaims the hope of his first and his second coming. So we not only have hope for our life today, but we have hope for the future. So turn with me to Isaiah 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Her, there is Israel. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, and the land of Naphtali. Uh, he, there is God, okay? But there will be no gloom for Israel who was in anguish. But in former times, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. Zebulon and Naphtali is the tribe. And they're uh, two of the tribes of Israel, and they are in the north of Israel, okay? So they're up there, uh, if we're looking at uh, modern day, they're up there by uh, Lebanon, okay? Uh, Syria, Turkey, that, I mean, they're not up that hard, but that's north. That's the geography north of Israel. But in latter times, God has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the nations, talking about the same area, just using different words, okay? The land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. This is a prophetic statement speaking of Jesus, but war usually comes from north or south into Israel because of the trade routes, okay? If you look at a map, it goes up the coast, right, the way by the sea, up into the north through the Jezreel Valley, then up into Turkey, Syria, and then around the Fertile Crescent, like into Babylon. So in Assyria, that's up there. And they, so Assyria, remember that's who's attacking Israel at the time of this being written. They're coming down from the north, okay? And they are causing Israel anguish, aren't they? Yeah. So yet, when Jesus began his earthly ministry... He centered it in Capernaum, 
which is on the shore in Galilee, Galilee of the nations. It's actually on the trade route as they go up around the Sea of Galilee and up further north. Jesus there, the city of Capernaum there, is on there on the main road. And so here, Galilee in the north, Jesus is there bringing God's glorious good news to the people. The hope of eternity. The hope of redemption. And it's not an uncertain hope. It's not a beagle puppy hope. It is a sure and steadfast hope. Christ brings us hope. That's the source of hope. Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who've dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Makes me come to John, right? The light has shone forth into the world, right? And men did not receive it, right? In him was light, and the light was the light of men, right? Christ is the hope of the world. He shines his light into their darkness. Christ is all hope. He shines the light of hope into all darkness, into all problems. And the question is, is will we receive it? It's there, available for each and every single one of us. The, the, the thing we have to do is believe in the promises of God and turn our eyes on him rather than the world, rather than our failures. I have plenty, right? And, the, and actually, honestly, why I struggle lately with, with hope and certainty is with my body, right? Because my body seems to want to betray me in one form or another. And when I just focus on my body and how unhappy I am with my body, do you think that gives me hope? No, it does not. But if I take my eyes off the shortcomings of my health and my body and I put them on God, who I know is using the failure of my body for my good and his glory, then I can have hope in that. Isaiah Three, nine, verse three through five says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Sorry, I, I keep reading that wrong. You have multiplied the nation. What nation? The nation of Israel. Okay, it's not plural. I, I don't know why I keep putting it plural. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with joy at the harvest and they are glad when they divide the spoil. So this is talking about war. For the yoke of Israel's burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken as one day of Midian. So it's remembering a war of deliverance that God made for Israel back in the war with Midian. For every boot, of the trampling warrior in battle torment and every garment rolled in blood will be born as fuel for the fire. So there's great victory in the battle and they're cleaning up and they're burning the fuel, the, the garments as a offering to God and also as a way to get rid of the, the garbage. 
So Christ, Israel's hope, brings peace through judgment, culminating in the Armageddon War of Revelation 19, 11-21. So that's what that passage there is referring to, is that last great battle where God comes and delivers Israel from all her enemies. And she will have great joy. Now we know that Armageddon is the gathering place for this battle. It's not where the battle takes place. The battle takes place at Jerusalem, but Armageddon is where the armies come in from the north and gather in the valley of Jezreel there to attack Jerusalem. And we have other passages that talk about Christ coming out from Zion and annihilating those forces. And Revelation 11 says that he does so by the word of his mouth. He speaks it, and they are laid waste. And he comes there in that with the host of heaven. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is an awesome uh, text to talk about uh, uh, Christ being God, uh, 100%, and in the sense that these titles are titles that uh, the Father carries himself. And yet Christ is taking on these titles as well. We look in hope, or look in hope, look forward to this true world peace. Right now there is very little peace in the world. Uh, There is upheaval everywhere. Uh, Israel currently has a ceasefire. I believe the Hamas has now released uh, 26 hostages. They're supposed to release a total of 50, but they have 150. But they have a ceasefire to release these hostage, hostages. Uh, we can be praying uh, that that continues to proceed forward. Uh, last night, uh, Hamas was uh, joking it around, and they did not release the hostage until like one hour before their deadline. So we just need to pray that God continues to walk in that and that justice prevails, right? But there is no peace, right? There is wars all across the African continent, right? There is wars everywhere we look, right? There's wars in in Europe, right? Ukraine, right? And those are just the big ones, right? But we desire peace, but we want a true peace, don't we? And one is coming that will bring a false peace, and that will not be the true peace. So we look in hope, looking forward to true world peace. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, our hope comes to us in the humility of a baby, the Son of God, and he governs rightly. (laughs) It would be so nice to have a political leader that governs rightly. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be just like a fresh of breath air, of, of fresh, whatever. 
God's keeping me humble today because I can't talk. But he will govern rightly. His titles, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor gives the right counsel. He is an awesome counselor. Ever want the counsel of God? We all do, don't we? Well, 98% of God's counsel is in the Word of God. It's in the Bible. So know it, be in it, read it. But he is a wonderful counselor. It's also the title given to the Holy Spirit. He will be our counselor. He's a mighty God, all-powerful. The mighty God is in your corner. If God is for us, then who can be against us? He has freely given us his own son, right? Remembering the cross. Everlasting father. He's not distant. He's a father that loves his children. And he's eternal. No beginning, no end, forever. As the circle of the wreath symbolizes. Prince of peace. They show he's more than qualified to bring hope to the world, don't they? And he's, if he's qualified to bring hope to the world, then he is more than qualified to bring hope into your life. Verse 7, of his increase, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. It's not going to end. The only kingdom that is forever is the kingdom of God. And if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we are saved and we are part of the kingdom of God. To establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time time forth and forevermore. The zeal, the passion of Yahweh of hosts will do this. That's sure. That's steadfast. This hope of Christ is sure and steadfast. For the Yahweh of heaven's armies will accomplish it. Isn't that awesome? He's doing that. In your life, Yahweh of heaven's armies is working to accomplish his work in your life. The Israelites of Isaiah's time waited in hope for Christ's first and second coming. We wait in hope for Christ's second coming, where he brings peace through judgment. Christ brings us a sure and steadfast hope. Now, as we live in relationship with him, Hebrews 6, 13 to 20 speaks of the surety of this hope in Jesus. Now, the author of Hebrews is going back into the Old Testament and referencing the covenant that God made with Abraham. God had Abraham cut the animals in half and lay them out on either side. And then God caused Abraham to fall asleep. And because he caused Abraham to fall asleep, 
uh, when they made these covenants and these pacts, the two parties would walk through them together. But he causes a deep sleep to fall on Abraham. And then in fire, God walks through the animals alone, enacting the covenant only based on him. And that covenant has several factors. It has land promises to the people of Israel, but it also has salvation promises to those who believe in faith. And Hebrews picks this up here. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. That's that reference to walking through those carcasses by himself and consuming them. Saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For the people swear by something greater than themselves, and in the disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, the unchangeable character of his purpose, the certainty of the hope that we have, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. So he said it with his word, and then he guaranteed it with an oath of walking through the animals by himself, making a covenant for all eternity with the people of God, for those who believe in faith. So we who have fled for refuge, we who have found a sanctuary in the stone that for others is a rock of stumbling, we might have strong encouragement, strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Amen? We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place, the very holy of holies, the place where only God could dwell, the place where only the high priest goes in once a year, and he's got bells on his garments to know if he's still moving around, and a rope tied to his foot so that if God strikes him dead, they can drag him out. Into that space, into that holy space, Christ has led the way. You know when Christ hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Do you know what happened to that veil? It tore, not from bottom to top, but from top to bottom. And you know that wasn't like this little flimsy curtain we got up here? That curtain was a foot thick. In fact, I don't think you could have hooked up a team of horses and ripped that curtain in tar. But God declared equivocally that Christ is our hope. And he has entered into the holy of holies and led the way for us to come before the throne of grace to receive our mercy and grace to help in our time of need. 
what Jesus has gone as a full one on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And as his, the high priest, he is seated at the right hand of God. And he, what? Makes intercession for you and for me. If that's not a sure hope, then I don't know what is. So Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, which was sure. God said it. God fulfilled it. The zeal of Yahweh accomplished it. Christ is our hope. And may we hold fast to him. Amen? Christ, the sure and steady anchor in the fury of the storm, when the winds of doubt blow through me as my sails have all been torn, in the suffering, in the sorrow, when my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. That's a song by Matt Boswell. We sang that last year, I believe. Christ is our hope, our sure and steady anchor in this world. That's, that's what we have. We can't look anywhere else. It has to be to Christ. So may we hold fast to him, cling to him. May we fix our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, interceding for us. So today, if you are without hope, then reach out and grasp Christ, for he is your only true hope for the world, for this world, and the next. May we live in the hope 